First John or John chapter one. I've been saying First John all morning, but John the first chapter. I want to turn your attention for a few moments uh, to a, a familiar text, but I hope that its familiarity does not breed contempt. And by that I mean that before I get through, you have already shut me out because I I feel like the Lord has given me something today that will help not only a few, but all of us. Amen. It's great to have a word that comes individually, but it's good when God touches all of us. And I pray that God will do that this morning. John chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 39. And it reads, And said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Verse 40, One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. I did not give them this verse, but verse 44 says, Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. I want to use this this morning as a foundation and launch from there, and hopefully the Lord will journey with us. I pray that it will be more than just me speaking to you, but my subject this morning is simply this, if grace can have a say, if grace can have a say, say that with me. If grace can have a say. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. One of the great stories of Michelangelo, the famous sculptor, concerned a time when he was passing through the mason's yard where the great blocks of marble were stored. And having walked through this familiar place, a certain mass of marble attracted his attention. And the story goes that Michelangelo, with his hammer and chisel, leaped upon that large piece of marble and he began to frantically hammer and chip away, carve on that marble passionately and say as he did so, I must let the angel out of this block. I must let the angel out of this block. Through his artistic eyes, he saw what others could not see. Through his eyes of the gifts that God had given him, he saw an angel embedded where there was a mass of marble and an angel which... His art and his skill had 
the ability to release and present to the world. And he longed to do that. It was his desire to give to the world what he saw in that piece of marble. Now, if God could gift a man with that ability to see in a mass of nothing something wonderful and angelic, then certainly when we think about God, we could understand that God is very much like that artist. And that is that God sees far more in us than we see in ourselves. And God sees more in us than we can even imagine that is possible. And so it has always been the purpose and the passion of God to release that angel, to release that man or that woman that is encapsulated in this block of humanity that we are. When John presented to us this particular part of the gospel, he gives to us in these verses the first glimpse of one of the men who will play a key role in things to come. He brings to us a man by the name of Simon. He stands before us in this early stage and we will find out more about him as we read. But he is just a rough block of human nature in the presence of his maker and king. He is known now as Simon, the son of Jonah, or the son of Jonas, or as they would interpret in our language, the son of John. Hereafter, Jesus said, he shall win the name of Cephas, or his name would be changed to reflect a transformation in his life, that he would no longer be known only by his past, but he would be known for a future that God envisioned for him and God desired for him. And so Jesus prophesies over him and he makes the Galilean fishermen to know that there is something in you that I am going to work out of you. There there is something within that mass of your humanity that I want to bring to the surface because I need that man that is hidden away in that block of humanity. And the transformation that took place in Simon Peter's life would involve struggle and patience and perseverance and, and, and a lot of love and more than anything, a tremendous amount of grace. But in the end, you and I know how the story ends. We know how God was able to work in Peter's life and move him from being that man that he was to the man that God wanted him to be and to become a man after God's desire. And we understand that as God was working with him and God worked through him, the creation of nature, the man as he was, began to give way to the transforming power of the grace of God. And we are thankful for that today.
Amen. We're thankful for that. God saw an angel in that mass. He saw you and I, and he sees more in us than we see in ourselves. Others pass over, but he pauses, and he stays to work. He saw something better than was there represented at the time. He saw a better man inside of Simon Peter than was being presented to the world at that moment. And Jesus said, it is my mission and it is my goal to bring out that better man in you. And so it is his purpose this morning. When he looks at you and I, he does not look at just our failures and our our shortcomings and our inhibitions and all of the other things that hang us up. But God sees beyond all of that. He looks past where I am at the present and He looks past where I've been in the past and He looks to the future and He looks to what can happen when grace works in my life and when His mercy affects my life and when His love touches me in its special way. There is a transformation that can take place and I become the man or the woman that God envisioned me to be. He has the skill to bring it out. He has the ability to do it. God knows how to release the hidden beauty in your life. He knows how to bring out of you that better person. He knows how to bring to the surface that man that can be used in his kingdom. God knows how to do it all. And if you will just yield to his touch, if you will just allow him to work, if you will just give grace a say, it is amazing what grace can do in your life. And somebody said, Amen. So the Lord looked upon Simon with eyes of divine grace and he notes what can be made of this man. And what he is and what he is to become are two different things. And yet few of us realize all that grace had to encounter to get Peter to where he was on the day of Pentecost. Few of us realize all that grace had to deal with in Simon's life to cause him or to make him the man that he became. Few of us really grasp when we read his story all that grace had to grapple with and wrestle down in Simon's life in order to get him to that man that God wanted him to be. There are few of us that really know all that God had to work through to, that, that was trying to nullify everything God was doing, that was trying to void everything God had purposed. Few of us really understand what it was that God had to do to get Peter to where he was. Nor do we understand all that God has to do to us to get us where we need to go. I want to help you see something today that maybe you've not seen before. Jesus would have to battle certain issues in Simon before he could work out of Simon that better man. Jesus would have to confront certain ideologies and certain philosophies and certain uh, nuances in Peter's life that had made him the man that he was. He was going to have to confront them 
And he was going to have to help Simon learn how to deal with them and know what to do with them so they would not continue to bring him down or cause him to be a lesser man than God envisioned him to be. And there are three specific roadblocks that God had to deal with in Simon's life to navigate him toward this prophecy that he had made over him. It it, it was a path that God had to take Simon through. It wasn't an overnight thing. It was a process of days and weeks and even years that God worked on Simon and he knocked away here and he chipped away there until he released that angel that was in that block of marble. He released that man that that we see in the book of Acts as being the powerful preacher that he was that shook a city with his message and brought salvation to the Gentiles. That man that we see there was not the man that we see in John chapter 1, but grace transformed him as God began to work in his life, as God began to minister, as God began to lead him through a process. He brought him to this place of total transformation. And this is where it began. The first thing that God had to deal with and the first thing that grace had to encounter in Simon Peter's life was his own personality. Everybody say personality. The little quirks, the the, the little idiosyncrasies about who he was as a man. Simon stands a man known among his peers for certain peculiarities. He is noted for certain qualities and certain defects. Men knew his appearance. They knew his voice. They knew his power. He was Simon. Amen. You didn't have to say a whole lot more. You just say Simon and people knew who you were talking about. It was just something about his personality. Something about him. We see glimpses of it a little later on. His mouthiness and his hot-headedness and his 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 uh, brazenness and uh, the, the the fearlessness with which he went at life, the the abandonment he, when everybody else was content to to to. to to, to be afraid in a boat. He's wanting to walk on water. Here is a man who stands up when everybody else cows down and said, I'll never forsake you, even though he did turn away from him. But that was the kind of man, that was the kind of personality that Jesus was having to work with. Alone, his personality would wreak havoc in his life. And it had wrecked havoc in his life. And it would give him and lead him to many troubles in his life. But when... That personality, when that personality, that uniqueness of who he was came under the influence of grace and grace began to control and dominate and lead that personality, this man who was nothing but a bumbling bundle of, of, of mistakes and and all kind of failures. He steps forth on the day of Pentecost with a crystal voice and he preaches in a boldness that amazes us and we wonder where in the world did that man come from? He came from that block of humanity that Jesus confronted in John chapter 1 and said, Simon, this 
is who you are now, but this is where I'm going to take you. And this is what I'm going to have to deal with. I'm going to have to deal with your personality. You see, God doesn't want to void your personality when you come to him, but he does want to control it. And the truth is, a lot of people's lives are messed up today because they have just, they just have a free spirit personality. They have no boundaries to their life. They have no restriction. Just whatever comes, whatever feels good, they do it. And then there are others that have personality uh, bents that, that are, uh, are introspective and they're withdrawn and depressed and sad all the time. And then there are others who have personality that they say things when they shouldn't say them and they tell people off when they, 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 they ought to be keeping their mouth shut or, or, or they let their, their, their mouth get ahead of of their mind and they, they you know what I'm talking about there are people that they they hurt themselves and they damage their own life because their personality has never been brought under the divine control of God's grace but God began to take Simon on a journey and God said Simon I see something in you that you can't even imagine and I'm going to bring it out of you but I'm going to have to deal with your personality I'm going to have to bring you to the place where you surrender that personality to me and let it come under my influence and if you'll do that it will quit wrecking havoc on your life it will quit making your life a miserable mess and it will stop you from continuing to repeat the same failures over and over again and so he had to deal with a personality God wanted him to always be who he was only under the control of the Lord. We all have our peculiarities and our uniquenesses, but one's personality, listen to me, your personality can be your greatest ally or your greatest enemy, depending on who you yield it to. Amen. Amen. And some people come to God, but they never bring their personality to God, if you can imagine that. Amen. And the second thing that the Lord had to deal with with Simon was his heredity. He said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. Every one of us are the son or daughter of somebody. We all have a history. We all have baggage. Oh, yes, you do. You come to God with all of this stuff wrapped around you, you get married with it wrapped around you, you have kids with it wrapped around you, you cannot separate yourself from that. It is part of who you are. You don't have to let it dominate your life. If you learn to let grace have a say in your life, you will learn to bring your heredity, your past, and put it in the hands of God and say, you know what, God, I didn't have any control over who my parents were. I didn't have any control over what kind of people they were. I didn't have any control over where I was born or what generation I was born in. But I do have a choice as how my story is going to end. And I choose to put my life in your hand and my heredity in your hand and my my history in your hand. I'm tired of my history ruining my life because I can't seem to get away from that past. 
There are some people that excuse themselves and their failures and they blame it on their parents. They say the reason I'm the way I am is because my parents didn't do this or they did do that. And you know what? Unfortunately, it is true that a lot of people have suffered a lot of things and a lot of damaging situations in their life. But you don't need to let your heredity destroy your life. You don't need to let your heredity keep you bound in a block of humanity that has great potential. When if you will just let grace have a say in your life, if you will bring your past and who you are and what your family has been and what your grandparents were and what your great-grandparents were and bring it to the grace of God and say, God, I can't do anything about that, but you can. I need you to deal with my past. I need you to handle my heredity. Amen. Just because your parents were drunkards doesn't mean you have to be a drunkard, but the truth is drunkards usually birth drunkards. Drug addicts usually birth drug addicts. Immoral people usually birth immoral people. Why? We just become what we are. We, what our environment, what our, what our heredity, what our family is a lot of time. But somewhere in life, you have to realize that you don't have to be a victim of your past. And you don't have to be a victim of who you, where you came from. You can be a victor over that. And when you let grace have a say in your life about your heredity, about your past, grace can put a covering over that and say, you know what? That doesn't matter anymore. That's under the blood And that's under my control You can become What I told you you could become You can be a better man And you can be a better woman Amen All of us come to life With a certain amount of baggage He stands before him With fragments of home clinging to him All of us have inherited Certain things from our family And we inherit Things that go a long, long, long way back. Oh yeah, we don't want to talk about that. There are all kinds of tendencies striving in all of us that come from our past, that come from our heredity, that come from the influences of our family and the genealogy of our family. The Bible speaks about there being curses on the third and fourth generation. The Bible speaks about there being an ongoing influence. And when it speaks of curses, I don't believe it's talking necessarily that, 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 that there is something wrong. I believe the word would be better it would be better translated influence. There is an influence upon the third and the fourth generation. The father eats sour grapes and sets his children's teeth on edge is what the scripture declared. There is an influence that comes to all of us from our family and from our background. If you don't believe that, you just stop for a moment and think about your upbringing and where you came into life and what kind of setting it was. Some of you came into a single parent family. Some of you came into a divorce situation. Some of you came into a world where your parents fought all the time. Some of you came into a perfect place where your parents loved each other. But all of that had an influence. There were family members that touched you in a certain way and defiled your life perhaps. There are others that took advantage of you. But all of us bring that to the altar. And all of us wrestle with that in our life. And that's what keeps so many people bound in a cycle of defeat is because they can never get away from who they are and become who God says they can be. 
And so God had to deal with Peter's heredity. He had to deal with his family. He had to help Peter understand that what I say about you is more important than what your past says about you. That what I have to say about you is more important than what has happened to you is saying about you. Somebody said, well, I was abused when I was a child. I, I'm, not dis, I'm not belittling that. But there, you, you can let that control your life. You can let that destroy your morale. You can let it destroy your mind. You can let it destroy your principles. You can let it drive you to a loose life and, and, and justify all that by saying that's because of what happened to me. Or you can stand before the hand of God and say, I need your grace. Because if grace can have a say in my life, I don't have to turn out to be what my past says I was I can be what God said I can be I can become the man or the woman God wants me to be amen you cannot blame your failure on your family when you have a choice and all of us have a choice all of us have a choice all of us have the opportunity there's no excuse for my life if you would but yield your life to the touch of grace even that could not hold you back from what God wants you to become. Do you hear me? If you just yield yourself to the touch of God and the God of grace and the words of grace that he speaks over your life, you are, you shall be. You are, you shall be. You are, you shall be. And you could embrace that and believe that and live that and act upon that. You can break free. There's a man inside of you, a woman that can burst out, a, a, a person that you cannot even imagine that you can become, all because nothing that you have had happen to you or nothing that is in your personality can stop what God speaks over your life if you will let grace have a say. Amen. Amen. Don't use your blood as an excuse for not being better. Listen to this. Turn to the book of Matthew chapter 1 and read the genealogy of Jesus and you're going to find some shocking things there. First of all, you're going to find some women of ill repute in his genealogy. You're going to find some people that don't belong there. You're going to find some red light districts in his genealogy. But that's not what I want to focus on. The Bible says in the genealogy that Rehoboam beget Abia. Now listen, Rehoboam was a bad father. And Abia was a bad son. So a bad father begets a bad son. We say that's just normal. We expect that. But the next generation said Abia beget Asa. A bad father beget a good son. Now how did that happen? Go read the story of Asa and you'll find out why. Because Asa brought himself before God and said, God, you got to fix this. I can't change it, but you can. Yeah. And then the Bible said that Asa beget Jehoshaphat, a good father, begets a good son. Go figure. We rejoice over that. But then you go to the next genealogy and the next genealogy says Jehoshaphat beget Joram, a good father begets a bad son. 
So what is the moral of this genealogy? The moral of the genealogy is you cannot rely on your father to be good nor can you use your father as an excuse for being bad. You have a choice and you have the ability to bring yourself under the influence of God's grace and say, God, I don't want to be that kind of man. I don't want to be that kind of woman. I'm tired of my past and I want to be all that you have said I could become. So God had to deal with his heredity, but that wasn't all God had to deal with. God had to deal with a third thing, and that was his environment. He had to deal with a city by the name of Bethsaida. The Bible said, verse 44 said, that John and, and Peter or Simon and Philip were from the city of Bethsaida. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, you are aware that Bethsaida is one of the cities that Jesus cast a woe over. It was one of the places that Jesus visited that when he got through and he walked out of that city, he turned back and he said, I'm going to tell you something. There's judgment coming on this city. And the judgment was coming because they had an attitude of unconcern. They didn't care if Jesus was in their town or not. They didn't care if he worked miracles or not. They weren't even concerned about him. So here is a man that God says, I'm going to make something out of you. I'm going to make you a man. I'm going to use you. I'm going to triumph over your personality. I'm going to triumph over your heredity. But more than that, I'm going to help you overcome your environment. I'm going to help you get bigger, grow out of that environment that you grew up in. I'm going to help you overcome the influences that are around you. Yeah, those negative voices that continually pipe up every time you try to do good and say, you're not ever going to make it. You, 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 who do you think you're fooling? Those little voices that creep up on the bedpost in the middle of the night when you wake up and say, you know what? You're a loser. You're not ever going to get that. Or even people in your own, your own circle of, of, of friends and family they speak words that beat you down. You're a, you're a deadbeat. You're a no good. And if you're not careful, you can let that beat you. You can let it suck the life out of you. And you can let it draw you down to the place that you think, you know what, that's what I am. I'm just a no good, no account. I'm not ever going to make it. I'm never going to overcome. I'm never going to be what God said I could be. Or you can do what Simon Peter did. Simon said, you know what, I come from a bad background. I come from a personality that... It has all of these little warts and, and all these defects with it. And I come from an environment that doesn't even want to know you. They're not even interested in you. But Jesus, I want to know what you see in me. I want to know what grace is saying about me. I want to become everything that you said I can become because I don't want to be bound by my history and my past. Amen. Grace had to deal with the environment that he came from. I want you to think for just a moment of the influences of where you have lived and what kind of impact it has had upon your life. 
growing up in the situations that you have grown up in, the hard circumstances, the mean, abusive, petty spirits that you've had to encounter in your life and how it has affected your own mentality and your own perception of life. Others have had to grow up in poverty. Some of you have had to grow up in prejudice situation. But you hear me this morning. There is not one environment that can hold you when God begins to speak over your life and say you are but you shall be there is something powerful in those words there is something that releases in my life the potential and all that God wants me to do is believe it and embrace it and live it and act on it and become what he said I can become If grace can just have a say in your life. If grace can just have a say about your personality. It'll stop ruining your life. It'll it'll stop causing you to make the same mistake. If grace can have a say about your past. It'll quit haunting you. I said it'll quit haunting you. If you'll just let grace have a say about your environment. You're better than your environment. Listen to me. I refuse to become the circumstances I am in. I refuse to become the environment that I'm surrounded by. Amen. I may be surrounded by a bunch of lunatics, but I'm not going to become one. I may be surrounded by a bunch of losers, but do you think I'm going to become a loser just so I'll feel at home with them? Not on your life. I may be surrounded by some of the most negative people on the face of the earth. And believe me, there's more to be said about that than I could say this morning. But you know what? I refuse to let people's negativity affect what God is saying about my life. And the reason that people struggle in trying to live for God is because they don't understand the work God's doing in their life. You don't understand all that God's having to work on to get you to where. So quit beating yourself up and quit being so hard on yourself and let grace have a say. If you're struggling with your personality this morning, if your personality is what has got you into trouble and your personality or your mouth is what's caused you all, why don't you bring it to the altar today and say, God, I need some grace. I need grace to wash. I need grace to wash my mouth. I need grace to wash my mind. I need grace to deal with. If you're here this morning, and you're using your past you're using your family as an excuse for your failure why don't you bring that to God and say you know what I don't care if my parents were good or bad God is good to me and God has promised that he will be better to me than my past and he will do more for me than anything in my past has ever done against me he will do more for me in my present If you're struggling with your environment, you just can't seem to overcome because of the environment. You need to bring your environment to the Lord this morning and say, I need need grace. I, I need grace to have a say over this. Because if grace can have a say, you're going to have a Simon become a Cephas. You're going to have a weak person become a strong. You're going to have a failure become somebody that succeeds. You're going to have somebody that's a loser become a winner because of what God has to say over their life. And I'm closing, if I can, with this. It doesn't matter what life has said. The determining force in my life is not my personality. 
It is not my heredity and it is not my environment. The determining force in my life can be the grace of God. Amen. The grace of God. And when grace begins to speak, it also begins to lead. And it takes me from that old man that I was and that failure that I had become with all of my hang-ups and hiccups and all of those other things that were wrong. And he brings me into the kingdom and he calls me a son. He calls me a child of God. He brings me into a place called glory. He brings me to a place called heaven and said, I have prepared this for you. I've I've made all, I've, I've created, I've designed all of this for you. If grace can have a say, if grace can have a say, you see what turned the scales for Simon Peter was what the artist saw in him and what the artist was capable of working out of him. And it took the form of a prophecy. There it led him by the hand. And there came to Simon Peter's life a high calling. And there came a sudden sense of worth and value. He found himself suddenly the possessor of an ideal for his life. And he pronounced that ideal over him with an authoritative voice. Amen. He might have gone back. I don't know. I I don't know how it all came about, but I know this, that that first encounter was a critical moment. When Jesus looked at Simon and said, you are Simon, but you shall be Cephas, he didn't know him from Adam. He could have thought, you know what, he's just a quack, just like some of you are thinking, you know what, brother, you've been reading too many psychology books. I hadn't read any psychology books. This came from the Word. I'm just here to tell you, that God has something to say about your life. And God sees something in all of us that's more than what we are even producing right now. And what He says about my life is more important than what your past says about you or what your environment says about you or what your personality says about you or what people say about you. What God says about your life trumps everything else in life. None of these things are an excuse for not living a changed life because grace can make a difference in my life. Let's stand together.